man. So, all right. So, uh, <clears throat> I want to take. It- Hold on, and before we go, before we go and video live again, you really, really do need to get a lamp or do something with your. It's. I mean, I can barely see you. It. It looks extremely unprofessional. Dude, like look, you can't, you can't even see yourself. I was just trying to work with what I had today. I got this crappy uh, tablet that I bought for class. This is the tablet that I bring to class, man, just for well weekend. <laughs> So that's what I, yeah, I think I think we should do. That's why I think we should do video another time because I think it'd be better if we yeah, were if we were both better prepared. If you you need better light and I need to be more prepared, maybe put on a, a decent shirt or something at least. You know, do something. So well, I feel like I feel like it could be a lot better. I was gonna get a backdrop. I was gonna order a backdrop that says Classroom Twenty One. Well, you know, can- if, if you wanted to do. Uh, I wonder if you could do record Zoom and do Zoom live somehow, because you can do you can you can record your uh, Zoom and have backdrops where you like you can do virtual backgrounds, and you could like you could just get a picture. You could do you could design a picture and then upload it to Zoom and use anything. You can do custom pictures. I've uploaded pictures of my dog and all kinds of crazy stuff that I use on Zoom. Yeah, but could we do Zoom in Classroom Twenty One? That's the thing, though. I don't know. I need to check into that because that would be with, with hmm. Zoom. Saying, hey, you know, you we're not classroom twenty one with Zoom. Uh, you know, would they say stuff about that? I don't know. And I don't we, know. Can you do? Can you do backgrounds in the, on a Facebook Live though? Like, like yeah. virtual backgrounds. It has stuff up there. I just didn't play around with it long enough. Okay. And it's, it's hard to work. That's why I was just trying to go with what I just a little bit that I had today, you know. And we had people watching, man. We had an audience. <laughs> we had people watching, man. We had two people watching. Man. It wouldn't work out. Well, maybe that means we need to announce it. Like, too, I feel like if we're gonna do a live video, I think it'd be good if we if we plan it ahead, we could announce it earlier in the week on the in the group, and those who follow the group could see it and say, "Oh, cool," uh, and kind of be prepared for it. Yeah, something you know. So I was just trying to see if we can hit it today. Okay, so. What we trying to get to today? Last week we went, we got longer. So today we need to stick to the hour. Right. Yeah, we need to stick to that. Last week we got on, we got on training really, really bad. But you know they had another shooting. Yeah, I, I saw that that happened. I haven't had a chance to really, like, dig into it to find out a lot about it. So I don't know. I don't know if I feel like I'm really prepared to talk about it much right now. It ain't no better than the other one. I can give you that. I can tell you that much. <laughs> it's a little, little, uh, little bit more on the opposite side because he, uh, they said he grabbed the taser, but I ain't. Yeah, so yeah, that's what because yeah, from what I've seen, I've seen people debating about it because on one hand they're saying, well, the dude literally grabbed the the taser from the cop's hand and like ran and was pointing it at him. So there's yeah. you know they're saying, well, dude, these these they're justified in using force because like he. Resisted arrest and used, you know, grab, literally took their weapon, all that kind of stuff. But on the other hand, it's like if he had grabbed the officer's gun, 
I would I would agree with him. I'd be like, okay, dude, if he grabbed the officer's gun, he's about to start shooting cops. They have no choice but to shoot him. He grabbed a taser, though. Worst case scenario, he hits one of the cops with a taser. You know, the other ones can take him out. You know, they can chase, run him down and tackle him to the ground because that taser doesn't have – it's not like a machine gun. It's not like he can just keep popping him. Like, once he, once he discharges that taser, it takes – I think somebody said it takes a minimum of 15 seconds to, to recharge or something yeah, like that. Been, and, uh, it took a little time to recharge and – so uh, yeah, nothing. so they didn't. Yeah, so if they if they had been if they had been using their heads, if they'd been smart, they could have easily avoided having to use deadly force. So it seems to me. Again, like you know, like we brought down to the thing about training last week. Yeah, yeah, I I do really. Yeah, actually, that this case here does seem to really, really back up your assertion that that, that officers need better training, because if they had had better training in the moment, you know, they would have been able to act in the moment in a way that wouldn't have had to kill somebody. Because they didn't really have to. Like, they, I mean, I can understand them reacting that way if they were, like, if, if, if somebody was panicking, like, if, you know, if they weren't expecting, like, I'm thinking if I'm just walking along and, like, somebody grabs a weapon from me and, like, they start pointing it at me and if I don't know what's going on, I might shoot them or something. <laughs> you know, like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? But these people aren't just just random citizens who don't know what's happening. They're they're supposed to be trained officers. They're supposed to be prepared to handle situations like this, and they handled it. Looks like they handled it pretty badly. So, well, like I, said, I didn't watch the whole video. So, uh, and I like I said, I didn't even watch all the video. I just seen like I saw that it happened, and I've seen people posting things about it. You know, both ways. People that are angry that there's you know yet another senseless murder and this is crazy and then other people are saying well look this guy like he did this and this so (laughs) not that he deserved to die but it's not like he was just innocently you know not like the cops just pulled him over and you know killed him for no reason you know he was he was messing up so i don't know it's i guess like you said it is this one is a little bit more a little bit more um toward the officers not you know, it's it's not quite as bad on the officers, but it's still bad because they still they still shouldn't have had to kill the guy. You know, they still could have could have handled the situation without using deadly force. Exactly. You know, so no, so it's a it's a I don't know. Like I said, it's a fine line. Well, I can't go fine line all the time. You know, um, I can't go fine line all the time. You know, um, yeah. Because I, I have been on the other side, and I do know how it, how things, you know, play up and play down. But that's why you, that's why you call back up so you have another brain. You know, that's why you yeah. do that. You know, that's why you have people um, to come out and uh, have experience in uh, uh, DUI risk. That's why you have people who come out dealing with people who deal with folks who are unresponsive, you know, that's why you have folks who come out and deal with large crowds, come out and deal with folks who are unruly, uh, people who are uh, mental health, you know, that's that's why you have an arrangement of officers working at any given time on a shift. So when things happen, you can defer judgment to somebody else. Yeah. I can say, hey, listen, uh, let me defer the judgment to somebody else and say, hey, uh, I wonder you know, if uh, if Officer so-and-so can handle this a little bit better. So 
but a lot of times you get that power struggle. Like I said, I haven't watched the video. I haven't watched the video, so I don't know if the officer was in a power struggle. I don't know if he was, like, you know, looking at, like, well, I don't want the one thing. I don't know how to handle myself on a call. I don't know if he was looking at it because a uh, portion of the video, if he was, like, somebody was standing fairly close, so it looked mm -hmm. like he was... Uh, like he was under the microscope in the fishbowl type mentality. So he might have been thinking, oh, well, let me go ahead and do it now because everybody's looking. But sometimes it's better to just defer the judgment and just let somebody else handle the situation because you can live it down. You know, it'll, it'll go away. I mean, there are so many things that have happened in a law and an officer's career and anybody's career. Yeah, and anybody's career for that for that matter, you know. So you go, there gonna be some highlights, there gonna be some lowlights, and you're gonna, you know, you're gonna reap the benefits when it's high, and then you're gonna have the the funny times when it's low, and people gonna, you know, they'll poke fun a little bit, and mm -hmm. but the gist of it is that the person walks away, they they're still alive, you know. And yeah, that's that's a big thing. Well, let me let me ask you a question, man. I, I I really feel like you have a unique insight into cases like this, since you you are currently on a social work path. You know, you and I are both in a you know graduate master's program for social work, but you have a history of law enforcement, so you kind of have seen it from from both sides a little bit. Here's what I'm curious about: How many of these cases do you think are a case of an officer panicking or being scared or reacting out of out of fear or an instinctual reaction rather than falling back on their training or doing what they know logically that they should do in a given situation i think early on a lot of it was fear and panic fear and panic so i think early on there were probably a good 20 to 30 percent of them was probably just them knee-jerking reaction like philip castillo when you see that 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 video that officer mm -hmm. clearly panicked during that time when yeah. the guy was just trying to say, hey, man, you know, yeah, I do have a registered weapon here. And then, you, I mean, the guy don't walk into the car like twice. And then he lets him know, yeah, I got a, a, a registered weapon. And then you see him, the knee jerk. I mean, it's like uh, it's like he clearly just, he couldn't get his gun out of the holster fast enough. Like he saw, it literally like he saw, you know, uh, a bank robbery going down, you know, so that was yeah. clearly panic and that on that on that officer. The Michael Brown case was panic, you know, that that was another panicky case, you know, even though it's not a part of an officer, you know, that George Zimmerman case, it was panic, you know, so yeah, uh, but now, closer to where we are now, I don't think a lot of it is panicking now. I think some of it is just, these are just bad officers coming out on departments. These yeah. are just bad officers from the jump. They should have been weeded out doing training. Actually, I believe that they probably were weeded out doing some training. These was officers that probably just shuffled around the department because, you know, they have popped up. They surfaced up. They surfaced. And then all of a sudden now, you know, they, they started going into different areas. And this is just where they landed. Well, how are they able, how are they able to do this, man? Do you really are, – are police departments – so desperate to, to have people that they're willing to just kind of take what they can get? Is it because it seems like we need to be able to weed these people out? Like, there, it's kind of like if, if you're going to medical school, and I know being a police officer doesn't require the same level of training as being a surgeon, obviously, but like if you're in medical school, there's a certain point where 
not everybody in your there's only a small percentage of the class that's going to make it you know what i mean like i do know people i have friends who work in the medical field that started out in medical school that might have went a different way because like at a certain point they might be smart they might be hard working they might but but at a certain point they some they realize that they just don't have what it takes to be a surgeon or you know whatever be a medical doctor so they kind of have to go a different path. And, you know, what do you think it would take for us to be able to do the same thing with law enforcement, to be able to have these people and like, instead of people just going, okay, you want to be a cop? Here you go. You're a cop. We'll send you through the Academy and now we'll put you on the streets that there be a more of a, a, a better process to vet these people and it not be, I don't know, like necessarily a shameful thing, but it should be a certain point where people who've been having enough experience can look at, these candidates and say, okay, this person here, this person here, I can tell already they don't have what it takes because they're going to, they're going to crack in a situation. And that's one reason, dude, I couldn't be a cop. I'll tell you straight up. And I've said it before. I've said it a hundred times and I'll say it again. I could not be a police officer, dude. I could not be that cool under pressure, man. When you're in situations where you're in a life and death situation every day, you never know when somebody's going to pull a gun on you, dude, I would probably kill somebody in my first month. And I mean, I'm not saying that brag and I'm saying like, I would panic. I know I would because you see when you, okay, every single time an officer makes a routine traffic stop, you don't know what's going to happen. That officer is walking up to that car and more than likely it's going to be a routine stop where they say, Hey, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Can I see your driver's license registration? You were speeding, uh, you got a taillight out, you know, here's a warning, or I'm going to have to write you a ticket, whatever. But you never know. They never know when they're going to walk up into a crazy situation where that driver might be jacked up on something, or they might be panicking, and they might have a weapon. They might draw a weapon. You know, it does happen. There are police officers that get shot at routine traffic stops. It's not that uncommon. Mm -hmm. So I can't imagine being in a job where that you never know. I mean, because if I walked up to a routine traffic stop and somebody's acting all crazy and it looks like they're about to pull a gun, man, I'm liable to shoot them <laughs> just out of, out of pure fear, you know? And I think, I feel like there's a, a big problem. And, you know, I'm not saying that there's not elements of, you know, just racism and bad cops and there's people that do have the power trip, but, I, I kind of feel my suspicion is, I guess, that there's some people who just don't have what it takes to be a police officer. They're able to make it through for a period of time, maybe months or years. But at a certain point, they're going to be in a situation, a high pressure situation where they don't have the, the skills necessary to react in a logical way. And like, you know, with this, the, the case in Atlanta, you know, like somebody's somebody grabs your taser, they're pointing at you. It's I'm, I can only try to imagine the high pressure situation in the moment. It's not, you know, it's easy for us to sit back and look at it in hindsight and say, okay, well, they could have done this, this, and this. But if you're in the moment and you don't know what's going to happen in the next half a second, you know, and there's, there's, there's all this tension and there's this action happening, you know, you're liable to panic. You're liable to just, do what you have to do to in the moment, you know, your self-preservation kicks in. So a lot of these officers, I feel like situations like this, they might just be going into self-preservation mode and they, you know, they're, they're reacting in a way that on, you know, after the event is over, looks horrible. looks like they acted uh, malevolently, I guess, but in reality, you know, it could be a matter of, like you said, lack of proper training or just the fact that they're not somebody that has what it takes to, to be able to react 
in the proper way in those situations. Well, like we spoke on last week, uh, when I was saying that you get you get the person that applies to be a police officer from a job that does not connect to police work. Uh, I talked about uh, right away the uh, the subject matter right away from police work that you get hit with when you get out of, out of academy is very serious right away. It's not like it's uh, on the, what you see on TV. It's not even what you can even fathom when you are even in the training at the time because right away the subject matter and uh, the scenarios become very, very real at the time. So what happens is, is that you take a person and you say, okay, well, you get on patrol and you get solo patrol, especially the department that has solo patrol. That person is put out there. And if you are being honest as an officer, you should say, this: these are the trainings that I need in order for me to be a proper police officer in this area, or, or even on this department. Because mm-hmm. some departments cover an entire city. You know, uh, if you're a small department, you're probably not going to have your city is probably not sectioned off into sections. So you're covering their entire city. Yeah. So if you have a, a large enough city, then your city is going to be sectioned off. You may have a, a, a side of the city that's uh, a little nicer. You know, then you have a, might have a, another side of the city that's a little meaner. So yeah. the city that's the side that's a little meaner, you may have those officers may be inundated with a lot of training you know, for uh, whatever reason, you know, so, but let's take like a city like Orlando, they have a lot of tourists. So the officers there may be, uh, they may be more inundated with trainings for customer service. And we talked about last week, customer service could be, you know, a lot, uh, could be a a lot of different things for an officer. But let's just say in this case, customer service is what we normally see customer service, you know, giving direction, stuff like that. So an officer that's probably inundated with a lot of customer service trainings, his awareness is probably not that high because, hey, I'm just out here directing traffic and mm-hmm. I'm giving directions to people. So, well, if I'm that officer that came through training and uh, this is my first year on the department and this is my assignment, my awareness is very low. So now I'm an officer that come out from, let's say, a fry cook at McDonald's, and then I get put on this training here where my awareness is low. All of my training goes towards customer service. So now after my first year, let's say if I spend two years directing traffic at SeaWorld. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden now, my assignment changes because my supervisor changes. My supervisor retires or whatever the case may be. So now I go from directing traffic in front of SeaWorld so I get put into a situation where now I'm on a in a, uh, a more of an area that's uh, inundated with like a burglary or drug activity. But my awareness is, is already low. And all I know was mm-hmm. service in front of SeaWorld and uh, my uh, uh, and, and just doing, hey, directed traffic. Now you put me into a situation where my training is not up to par. So, it's, so a lot of times the department is putting officers into a situation where they are not prepared. An officer is putting himself in a situation where he's not prepared. It's up to the officer. I'm the person that has to say, listen, y'all had me over here at SeaWorld for two years. 
now you put me over here in this drug activity or this drug infested neighborhood and you expect for me to to acclimate i need to go and get uh uh some 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 training so i'm able to uh to uh to be more vigilant when i'm out here in this neighborhood so so i'm not out here reacting knee-jerk reactions to certain things or whatever some officers can instantly uh, acclimate themselves to a neighborhood. Now, let's go. Well, how many officers are going to be proactive like that, though? How many officers are going to speak up? Some of them will, but a large majority would not because, uh, I mean, law enforcement is a macho, macho uh, career. That's what I'm thinking. So, yeah, it could be perceived as weakness if somebody comes up and say, well, hold on, before you send me over here, I need training, you know, or like, be like... <laughs> I would yeah, ex- I would expect the default the, the default setting would be for for dudes to say all right man send me I got it you you put me exactly. wherever you think I can do it I, I can handle this I can handle it that's generally what happens it's, oh yeah man I got it man because you look at like oh you know you think it's gonna be like you know uh, bad boys on TV or something you jumping all across the screen or whatever and all of these things are gonna happen but you know you got to look at that you know uh, these situations are very very real so when you get these officers in these situations. And you're saying, okay, well, how can we get an officer that's not prepared to be an officer? He's not really supposed to be an officer whatsoever. That takes other police officers who are really ready for duty. An officer Mm -hmm. who is ready for duty that looks at another police officer and he's able to speak up and say, listen, I know you probably thought that you are able to be an officer. But you are not fit to be a police officer. You probably should be in this line of work here, you know. Mm-hmm. So because if if you have to, you, you, sometimes the life you save might be your very own. Yeah, and, uh, I tell people that's a lot of times because I've been on patrol with people who are clearly not police at what so don't have a police bone in their body. Yeah. And sometimes that life you're going to save will be your life because that person, if they're not paying attention, puts you in danger. And of course, it does go into self-preservation at some point in time on a call because you're like, wait a minute, I want to go back home at the end of this shift. Let me get myself out of this call. Yeah. And sometimes that may mean, well, let me step on uh, this officer. Let me get this officer out of my way because this officer is messing me up. Hey, let me let me barge my way out of this room because I'm barricaded now because uh, I don't have any backup. Even though I might have an officer out, out here helping me, technically I don't have any backup. So let me let me let me uh, let, let me barge my way out. So it may look bad. I might be at a a, a barbecue, you know, in the backyard, yeah. and you may see it uh, catch a video an officer barreling out of a backyard, barreling through four or five people trying to get back to the patrol car. And all of a sudden, now the video looks bad because I'm like, man, I'm trying to get out of this backyard because I recognize I don't have the proper backup. I don't have the proper officer out here helping me. Yeah. You know, you could go all the way down to the training issue because there are so many issues and so many different sides with the training. I go into your question, how do you set something up to say, how do you prevent an officer from being there that should not be there. Sometimes there is no prevention. Sometimes people just get through the application process. Sometimes they yeah. just know how to say the right things. 
They know how to write down the right responses. They know how to answer the test questions. They pass the PT test. You know, it's not that a department is so, you know, really uh, desperate to have a warm body. It's just that, hey, this person just said the right thing. They wrote the right thing. They had the right, uh, they had the right education at the time. And they just, they came through the, the ranks and, mm-hmm. you know, they happened to get on your squad and you're like, man, how did this person get on the department? Or they answered your call. You get an officer that comes to the door and you're like, how in the world did this guy even get to be a police officer? Because man, he can't even answer a basic question. Yeah. So sometimes they just get through. And until another seasoned officer comes up and says something and try to say, hey, listen, this guy probably should be, you know, on a different detail. They probably should be somewhere else. And then sometimes, you know, some sometimes situations happen. And a person says, you know what? I think I'm, I'd probably be better suited for a different career. Every now and then that happens. You know, I spent 15 years in law enforcement. And uh, and some, I've heard officers say, hey, you know, I'm going I'm to I'm go to another department because this department is too fast for me. I've yeah. heard officers say, uh, I don't, you know, this career, uh, I, I don't believe I can keep up in this career. I believe I, I want to be in law enforcement, but I think I'm better suited for behind the scenes. I'm better suited to be maybe an investigator, like in a laboratory or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm better suited to be a lawyer. Uh, maybe I'm better suited to be a police officer, but maybe like on a federal level where I can just sit, you know, and investigate crimes and only having to come out when I've identified a person and can be a part of a large team. Law enforcement is not for everybody. It's a high-level, high-stress, high-anxiety job. You know, and oh, yeah, yeah. Situation, it is not the, the, the decisions you make, they're not long-lasting. Don't get me wrong, because the decisions you make as an officer gets changed a thousand times between the arrest and the time they get uh, sentenced in court. So the, the decisions mm-hmm. are not long-lasting whatsoever. They can change the decisions all day long. But the decisions you make on the scene are very split-second. They're very fast. Yeah, but so they, can, they, can, yeah, they can have real long-lasting. Yeah, if your split-second decision <laughs> takes somebody's life, that's forever. It takes somebody's life, yeah. yeah. That, those are long-lasting decisions, yes. Yeah. But I'm saying as far as like the decision that you're making on the scene and you're talking to a person and you're trying to determine whether that person is a threat or not a threat. But in some situations when you have backup and you have adequate backup and you have your protocols to go through, that's why you go through your protocols. That's why you lean back on your training and say, hey, you know, step back. You know, let me see your hands. That's why you do all of these things. So you put yourself at safety and the other person is at safety. So then that yeah. way when things are happening, you can see them before they happen. It should never be to the point to where we have we should never have had I looked at Facebook the other day and I know we're still on this police training issue. But I looked at Facebook the other day and there was a poster that was like a hundred faces on there. And, and and there was these was all police shootings in the last maybe like two three years. These weren't even police shootings over the last ten years. These were like the last two or three. Man, there was like a hundred some faces on there. 
of course they they making you know they're bringing to light about you know the the black lives that was taken mm-hmm. by police. I'm like, you should never have, you should never have that many lives taken. Yeah, by the police. I don't care how many shootings you have every year, black, white, Hispanic, whatever. You should never have a post that you can put together of one particular race. I don't care what the race is, black or white, like I said, Hispanic, mm-hmm. doesn't matter. You should never be able to put together a poster for a year or two years and have a hundred or even close to a hundred or so faces yep. of people that were shot unarmed. I'm not talking about people involved in crimes or nothing like that. I'm just saying mm. straight up unarmed people and their own video. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely a problem, man. And I, I like I like this actually. I mean, I feel like I feel like we're having a really productive conversation here because we've identified that there is a problem. And I think most, most rational people agree that going out and like looting a target or setting fire to somebody's business, isn't going to solve the problem. Like there, there's a definite problem that needs to be solved. And so right now we need to figure out what, what do you think we as social workers can do? On the different, you know, of course, you know, we're talking kind of right now on the macro scale, like on nationwide scale, but even on on a smaller scale, what what can we do to help facilitate these changes? Because we've identified, I feel like some really good or you have, you know, from your experience in law enforcement, you know, what is it that we can do? What, What can we do to help facilitate this change? I really truly believe that. Um. I think you put an article up one time about social workers actually answering these calls with police officers. Now, don't get me wrong. Let me say this. Before uh, people say, I'm not going on no call with the police. <laughs> I truly believe that there needs to be uh, a level of uh, awareness brought to these officers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, before they get to these calls, and once again, just like just like you said too, though about the officers, like some officers just aren't cut out to be in in on the front line, yeah. so to speak. There's yeah. there's some social workers that aren't going to want to do. And I'll tell you right now, I I would do it. I mean, personally, and that's just me. I mean, I know a lot of people would not want to, but I think as a social worker, I'd be willing to go in those situations because I feel like the training that we have in social work, I really feel like we are better equipped to, to, to diffuse and de-escalate a situation sometimes better than law enforcement is, you know, like, I, think, they, I, don't they, to, I don't even think you have to go into the situation. I think what we have to do is diffuse and lower the anxiety of the officer before they get to the call. That's a good, that is a good point. Because yeah. Wow. Wow. You know, I hadn't even thought about it from that point, but man, dude, that is, wow. You just blew my mind with that because really that, you made a good, a, a great point about the the problem. You're working on the problem before you even go into it, you know, because these officers are high. You know, like we were talking about, like, dude, the police. I, I couldn't imagine being a police officer, man. I'd be stressed out all the time, man. I'd be shaking. I'd be jerking with my hand on my pistol, like scared to death, man. Like, so if if you can have somebody that is that calming influence, you know, somebody that's trained in. And, you know, dealing with people, you know, trained in, in talking to people with mental illness and substance abuse problems 
and all whatever kind of issues might be going on to go in there with these officers to kind of be a calming influence and say, look, we're going to get through this. Don't just calm down. Don't, don't, you know, we're, we're not going to have to shoot anybody. We're going to go in. I'm going to talk to this person and we're going to deescalate the situation. And I really feel like progress could be made there. I really feel like that there could be, because, you know, in the pilot, the, the programs, the pilot programs where this has been tried, it's, it's had a great success. You know, so I, I think really it's, there's it. definite promise there. There's promise in this in the program. I think there's a lot of promise in, in a lot of it. I think that there's a we're a long ways from we are a long ways from having um, the the issues resolved in law enforcement because I I brought up a lot of issues when I was when I was out there. Yeah, you know, one of the issues that I brought up that I was out there was that you have uh, officers who are who are overworked. And you have hours who are who are not matching the, the shift that you're working. You know, so what I mean by that is that you have uh, officers who are working these uh, shifts, 12-hour shifts, and the areas that you're working are high, are high uh, impact areas. So what I mean is, so you're working a 12-hour shift, but then you're really doing 20 hours of work in a 12-hour shift. So officers in an area where you can take that workload off, and then all of a sudden now, you know, you have an officer who's overworked and then that stress level gets even high, anxiety level gets even higher. Yeah. You know, so by the time you get to an, an uh a call like this Wendy's call, sometimes you know, you you're already like, Okay, well, I don't want to hear this, I don't want to hear that. All I want to do is just get beyond this call because I should be able to get out of here. All of a sudden now, you feel like the call is escalating, so then you feel like you have to escalate, but you're already you're already at a high level already. So then everything feels like it's escalating. So then you get even higher and then that's when we get to these situations. That's when we get there. Mm -hmm. So I just feel like we have to understand where we are as police officers and try to really get beyond these situations where we are now. You know, So where we are now in law enforcement is that we are really I don't know. We're really shooting ourselves in the foot as for the police officers because we're about to enter into an area where we're gonna where people are gonna stop respecting everything that law enforcement do. Yep. You know, so a lot of a lot of people are already to that point. There's there's whole cities that are talking about completely doing away from their with their police force. Um uh, see there's a problem. There's it's already reached a breaking point. It's reaching one, but uh hopefully I don't think you can, you can't completely defund the police. We gotta have the police in some areas because if you don't, you you know people can't police themselves. We've already they've already tried that long time ago. That never works. People can't police no. themselves. We have to have uh, uh, the law and order, but you have to definitely have law and order, and it has to be where justice is going to be for everybody. You can't have justice for a few and not you know for others. It's got to be for everybody. You can't have an influence by this group and that group. It's just got to be where if you're going to have justice, mm-hmm. it's just got to be justice. And that's how it has to be. And I think that's what we're up against now. You know, like I said, you know, we were talking about last week was that it's not that we're talking about systemic racism. It's just the fact that people are just tired of being sick and tired. And then you're tired of seeing the system do the same old thing that it's done. Yeah. You know, so 
I just I don't know, man. We just got we got to come up with something. We definitely got to come up with something. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we got to find solutions, and I think this is uh, that's what we're doing right now. We're just we're we're having conversations, and I feel like we're having productive conversations. Um, I'd love I I wish some people, anybody listening to this right now, would uh, help us out. You know, give their give their thoughts. You know, we we'll be posting this, of course, in the group, and you know, anybody that has any ideas about it, you know, whether they're encouraging or critical, you know, well, the best way to to test your ideas is to have somebody else try to tear them apart. So I'm all open for it. You know, if somebody has a, has any input that they feel like, you know, we're way off track on this or we're, we're missing the point. I'd shoot. I'd love to hear it. You know, cause I, there's, there's, uh, there's problems that need to be solved. And I, I feel like we're working on a productive way. And I'd, I'd like to see more people in the country working this way, having honest conversations and looking for solutions. Well, I feel like uh, this right here is where we should go down, uh, talking about the police training. So let's, uh, we, we talked about this. We, we talked about it in great detail last weekend about police training. Uh, again, this one right here is, is, is definitely an issue that uh, should be uh, brought up. So how about this right here? Uh, we, we, we're working on some things for Classroom 21. I know the conversation kind of just started off today. Uh, we didn't really introduce ourselves today, but the conversation just kind of kicked off. Uh, we're going to be putting together some Facebook Lives in Classroom 21, so you guys look out for some of those Facebook Lives. and We want to try to get everybody else in the community involved in talking with us. So uh, so come up. With, we want to see what you guys come up with out there in reference to uh, other areas that we can look into and how to bridge this gap between police, community, uh, race relations, and pretty much everything else that's involved in these protests right now because it's a lot more to it than just saying we're trying to battle racism. We're battling yeah. a lot more in these communities than just racism. Absolutely. And looking at it, you know, it's, it's a lot more, a lot more than just the racism. I mean, there's so many things that are coming up now that probably should have been brought up 50 years ago, but they're coming up now, so we're, we're trying right. to battle. We want to get to it. Yeah, I'd like I'd like to hear from anybody in law enforcement. You know, if anybody you know has worked in law enforcement, if you know somebody that does, man, get them, get them to listen, get them to give their yep. input. I'd like to hear ideas. Well, I'll try to bring someone on next week and uh, see if we can get some uh, some other inputs and see what a person currently in law enforcement is thinking about it now and see what they think the issue may be. You know. Uh, my my issue, like I said before, I'm still gonna hang my hat on training. That's what uh, I spent a lot of time in law enforcement. Mm -hmm. So when I got out of law enforcement, the issue was still training, and I still see training as an issue now. You know, so and like I said, you can come from it as many different angles as you want, but when it boils down to the end of the day, training, proper training helps you get rid of a lot of issues. And I do mean a lot of issues on your department. If you have a well-trained department, you would just about not inherit a lot of these problems whatsoever. I just be honest with you, you know. So well-trained companies, they don't have a lot of problems. <laughs> I just be right. honest. Yeah. The train, yeah. If the, if the training is well, like I said, if the, the training, if you're trained properly, then in those moments, in the heat of the moment, when there's a high stress. Um, moment that that's when the the training should kick in. You know that's when you shouldn't react out of a panic or out of a 
uh, reaction that those are the moments where the training should kick in and you should handle situations in the, in the best possible way in the way that you were trained to handle it. Exactly right. You know, so let's just try to see if we can get someone on next week and we see what happens. Uh, I know this podcast is cutting really, really short, but we were trying to do a Facebook live and that really should have been where we should have had a lot more, but because uh, our technical difficulties early, we are really cutting it short today. And the fact that we talked about training last week for such a very long period of time. So uh, yeah. police training. So, uh, we're going to keep running down this road on uh, on the uh, on our the, the protests and everything else that we can come out of it uh, with the social work issue. But we're going to keep going until we uh, until we till we can't go anymore with this issue. But I feel like we can uh, talk about this issue forever. But we're going to keep going until something else uh, takes its place. So that's you it. Tell people where to find you. <laughs> man, you uh, find me. Y'all can find me everywhere on social media, man. I'm all over the place. Find me on Facebook, man. And my name is Kenneth Wayne O'Bara. Um, I'm on Twitter. Y'all can find me on Twitter at uh, what is my uh, what Twitter handle? Obera twenty one twelve. Um, look me on there. Um, so yeah, let's we'll join in the conversation. Yes, sir. So you can catch us both on Classroom Twenty One on Facebook. That's Classroom Twenty One on the Facebook group, uh, and you can email us at Classroom Twenty One with two M's. Classroom21 with two M's at gmail.com. And of course, again, on Facebook, but we're going to try to do some Facebook lives again. Uh, man, That's right. Oh, and I, I, I told you my, my uh, Twitter handle wrong. It's at Kenny Obera2112. At K E N N Y O B A R A 2112. Right. Well, I don't have a Twitter, but I got Facebook. So you can look me up either way, either Facebook or Classroom21 on Facebook. Either way, catch us. And catch us live on Facebook on the uh, Classroom 21 page. That's right. We'll see y'all next time in the classroom. Yes, sir, brother.